My dearest brothers and sisters, as we gather here this morning, I have a word of utmost importance to uh, which, which I must impart upon you. My desire is that thou hearest these words and taketh them to heart. I speaketh not of a language that comes easily, but rather one that makes us feel dignified and noble. <laughs> All right, I can't keep it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. It's, it's not easy. Uh, so I'm going to talk this morning about how we address our audience. Um, so I want to start off just catching y'all's attention um, a little bit, but specifically going to talk a little bit about how we address God um, and, and through prayer, how we address our God. My name is Joey Williams. I'm the worship pastor here, in case you don't know me, usually... I help with that part and not this part, so out of my comfort zone here um, a little bit, so I might stand behind this to <laughs> make me more comfortable, but um, but yeah, I'm, man, I'm excited for this opportunity. Uh, I've been thinking about it for a while, been praying about it for a while, and really just excited to, to share with you guys a little bit of the journey that I've been on over the, the past few months. Um, so if y'all were here at the beginning of this year, you may have heard my wife actually, she, she preached a message, um, and it was about prayer at the beginning of this year. I know a lot of y'all, a lot of y'all were not here, um, so if you want to go back and listen to that one, that's pro- that message is probably going to be way better than, than this one. Um, you can always listen to those messages at connectionpoint.life. Um, feel free to go check that out if you're inspired to up your prayer life after today. Um, but I've been on, on kind of this, this weird journey over the past few months that I just wanted to, to bring y'all in on a little bit. Um, and I say weird because um, as a worship pastor, it's, it's a weird place to be when you're um, questioning prayer. Um, and, and that's where I've been. I've been kind of just asking myself these questions about prayer. Um, and, and so it's, it's a little, this is a little bit of me giving y'all my, my last 2%, as we last like to say here, um, being authentic and revealing. Uh, uh, that's one of our, our priorities, as you have, may have seen out on the um, signs out there. But, but we're, we're open and honest with 98% of ourselves, um, and, and it's hard for us to share that last 2%. So some of my last 2% I'm sharing with y'all right now is that uh, I've been questioning um, going through this process process of questioning the, I guess I would say the need for prayer. Um, and, and really, I think it's, it's good that, that we ask these questions. It's, it's good for anybody to ask questions like this that, that builds your faith. And so for that reason, I'm not ashamed um, to, to come to y'all with, with this. Uh, but, but it's just a, it's been a weird place for me to be. Um, but the irony of the situation is that I've been praying through it, <laughs> um, and also listening to some podcasts, reading some books, and um, really just seeing God show through through life. Is that Jacob? Is that right? <laughs> um, <laughs> just <laughs> seeing seeing God show me through life what uh, what what He views prayer as, and so um, wanted to just share with you guys some of what uh, some of what prayer means to me, um, and, and kind of some things that I've been learning over the past few months. Um, so, with that said, um, 
by, uh, oh, I wanted to share with you all some of the questions I've been asking. I'm going to do this a lot, by the way, this morning. There's, I'm not a good speaker, and so just know ahead of time. There's going to be things I've written down that I really want to say, and I'm going to pass over, and I'm going to say, oh, i got to come back to this. I wanted to share with you all some of the questions that I've been asking in my head. Um, some of these questions are, uh, why pray? Um, if God is all-knowing, if God is in control completely, if he already knows the outcome of things far, far beyond what I know, um, who am I in my finite knowledge of the world, in my finite knowledge of things that are going on, who am I to ask him for what I want? Um, and again, I, I, I think these are okay questions to ask. Um, if, if you ask similar questions like this, I think it's, it's good as long as we dig into truth and, and, and search for truth to build up our faith um, instead of just letting these questions fester and pull us away from God. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I've been doing through this process. So um, by a show of hands, just out of curiosity, um, how many of you would like to improve your prayer life? Okay, good. We're starting, starting at a good place this morning. That's what I like to see. Okay, I'm going to come back to that question here in a little bit. Uh, one of our priorities here at CPC is relationship over good religion. Um, relationship over religion. And we say that that's a priority here because, um, really, because Jesus modeled it for us. Um, he prioritized relationships over religion, and he showed us that uh, in, in many different ways. One of those ways is, um, remember, he healed on the Sabbath. He, he saw um, someone in need and had a relationship with that person, and rather than sticking to the laws that religion said, he, he said, you know what, this relationship is important. I'm going to heal this person. Um, he showed it to us when he loved the Samaritan woman at the well. Their religion at that time said, don't, don't build a, a relationship. Don't love this woman. Um, he saw a relationship there, though, and he loved that woman at the well. He, he also showed it to us with the, uh, with the Pharisees when he told them, you know what, you've got to quit praying out on the, the street corners for, for show. Um, this is not how you pray. You pray as a relationship um, with, with your Heavenly Father. And so um, Jesus modeled this idea of relationship over religion, and um, I think it's so important to note that our Heavenly Father wants a relationship with us. Um, this is one of those phrases that is cliche and, and overused at time, at times, but it's overused because of its importance. Our Heavenly Father wants a relationship with you. Any kind of relationship requires interaction, okay? Relationships require interaction, right? Does that make sense? Any kind of relationship. And so when I say that our Heavenly Father wants a relationship with you, that means, what does it mean? Our Heavenly Father wants interaction with us. And what's one of the best tools of interaction that we have with our Heavenly Father? Prayer. Y'all are getting this. Good, good. Glad you're tracking with me. Um, here's one thing I know about relationships. Um, it's hard to talk to somebody who you don't have a good relationship with. Um, 
I think that's true for most of us. If you're, if you're like my Aunt Janet, that might not be true for you. She can talk to anybody and be best friends with anybody <laughs> real fast. Um, some of you might be like that. Y'all have an easy time talking to anybody. Um, I think for most people, though, it's hard to uh, talk to somebody who you don't have a great relationship with. And so I think the place to start when we talk about prayer, sorry to embarrass you like that, <laughs> um, the place to start when we talk about prayer and our prayer life is our relationship. What does our relationship look like with God? And unfortunately, I think a lot of us have a wrong perspective of our relationship with God. Um, even if we've grown up in church, sometimes especially if we've grown up in church, our relationship and our perspective of God um, might be wrong. So we're going to look at some scripture today because I really want y'all to get something out of this message. I'm going to make sure y'all get some, uh, some of Paul's words uh, and, and not mine. Um, so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, turn there. It's on connectionpoint.life. If you want to go there, it'll be also be on your screens. Man, this is one of those passages that if you, uh, if you don't have it highlighted in your Bible, you should. Um, this is... This is one of those passages that is the gospel in a few sentences, okay? It is a very important passage for our faith and for our walk with Jesus. Um, lays out the gospel and it lays out our call as believers. Um, if you've been on a mission trip with us, you've probably uh, shared this passage with, with people many times. Um, all right, so let's just read through it here. Uh, we got it on the screen. Second Corinthians 5, I'm going to start at 14, I believe. And go through 20. Um, for Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him and who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, uh, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. To God. So here's what I mean about some of us having the wrong perspective um, of our Heavenly Father. Um, let's break this down a little bit. Uh, will you put up the slide, Kevin, that goes verse 14 and 15 together? Um, Paul clearly lays out that, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and go to 15, um, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Those who live should no longer live for themselves. And guys, I want to point out that I think this is the most countercultural thing that we could do as Christians. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for God. Our culture, our society, everything around us screams that the world revolves around us. This is, what, this is how the way most people live their lives. Have it your way. 
follow, follow your own arrow. Do you. You do you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Look at road rage and traffic. Why, why do people get upset? Because people aren't going the way they think they should. Because this is, this is my lane. You can't get in my lane. Um, quick, quick funny story. I walk my kids to, to school every day. A lot of times with, with Mike over there. Because um, we're neighbors. But we walk our kids to school. And uh, no kidding. At least five times this year this has happened. We walk across the, the crosswalk with the crossing guard. He's a nice, um, nice old man. He's, he just smiles and blows his whistle when we're supposed to cross and says good morning. But um, at least five times this year, while we've been waiting there to, to cross, he, he holds up the cars so that everybody can cross safely. And there are people that stick their heads out, yell profanity at him, just because he's making them wait for <laughs> 30 more seconds. And that's happened at least five times this year. I mean, we are, our society has become outside of our minds because we think this world revolves around us. And we laugh at it because from an outside perspective, it, it's humorous, like especially when you see a scenario that, like that um, severe. But what happens when you get a bunch of people together that all think the world revolves around them. Chaos, madness. And so it completely makes sense to see, when you think about it that way, to see people act this way. It's chaos. So what Paul's saying in verse 15 is completely, I don't know, what, let's just ignore that. <laughs> I don't know why that's, that, that's, that's continuing to do that. Um, Spiritual warfare, we're about to get there. Um, <laughs> but uh, what Paul says in verse 15 is profound. He died for them, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. So how do we do that? How do we get to a place where we no longer live for themselves? It's getting harder to ignore. <laughs> I'm going to see if that connection is off. I might. It felt a little loose back there. Maybe we're okay. Um, yeah, it's Chance. So everybody just blame it on Chance. <laughs> How do we get to a place where we can no longer live for ourselves? Because it's hard. If we're honest with ourselves, it's hard. Um, good news is he tells us in the, the previous verse. Will you go back to verse 14 for me? For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. All right, let's switch. <laughs> Check, you're the man, Chance Samson. Great job. Um, for Christ's love compels us. And how does it compel us? Because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore all, all died. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. That means that the old is gone, the new has come. Verse 17. The old is gone and the new has come. When we receive Je Jesus as our personal Savior, guys, this is our relationship with God. This is the perspective we have to have with God. When we receive him as our Savior, our old self is dead. It is gone. The new has come. 
Christ is not, God, our God is not a God who sits up on his high throne judging us. He is not a God who is sitting there waiting to punish us. He is a God who has redeemed us. He's a God who has restored us through his son Jesus. And so I know some of us might, might have a, a deep-lying core perspective of God being, being that God who's, who's angry with them. Um, and, and listen, if, if, if that's where you are, um, first of all, it's okay. Um, God, God has brought you where you are for a reason. Um, but know that, that that's not why he died for you. He died to restore you. He died to redeem you. And that's where our prayer life starts. We have to have that kind of relationship with him. We have to have that kind of view of God in order to even want to talk to him, right? Who wants to talk to a guy who's just there to punish him? Guys, you can't punish a dead person, can you? <laughs> There's, what's the point of punishing a dead person? The old is gone. Paul says in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. You can't punish a dead person. God's not there, sitting there waiting to punish you. He has redeemed you. And so that's where, again, where our relationship starts with him. It has to start there. Then let's go to verse 17, because he brings on us a call. And this is a verse we like to share on our mission trips, because once we've received Christ. Um, sorry, verse 17 is um, the one that I was just talking about. The old has gone, the new has come. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors in Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. God's given us a call to represent him. Be ambassadors for Christ. To live for him, right? Not just to get outside of ourselves and, and to, to live not for ourselves, but to live for him. The lie from the beginning of mankind from the beginning of mankind, from the Garden of Eden, is that we can do this on our own. That we can do this without God. It's, it's beautiful. You need it. You can, make that, you can make that decision without him. You, if you want it, you can have it. You don't, you don't need God. It's, it's a lie that's existed forever, and it still exists today. But this is the, the statement that I really want y'all to go home with today, okay? Um, if you got pens, write it down. If you're taking notes, write it down. You can't live your life for God unless you live your life with God. You can't live your life for God unless you live your life with God. <clears throat> Once again, Jesus modeled relationships with other people over religion. He also modeled his relationship with God over religion. And so we can look at his relationship with God to see how we live life with God. How is it 
that we grow our relationship, our closeness, our nearness to God so that we can better live our lives for him. Um, the disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus, and they took note of how often he prayed. Um, he prays all over scripture. I'm just going to read a few different passages. I'm going to go through these really quickly. If you want to look at them later on, they're on, they're on dot life. Um, I'm going to go through them really, really quickly, quickly right now. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23 says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on, on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Mark 6, 46 says, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. He went he, he was with a crowd of people. He had what some church leaders would just love to have, crowds and crowds of people. And you know what he did? He said, you know what I, I actually need? I need to step away and I need to pray and be with God. Luke six twelve. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Mark 1, 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke 5, 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now, quick question for you guys. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do some of the things that Jesus could do in his ministry? I mean, he did some pretty awesome things in his short life on earth. Um, I mean, how, how awesome would it be if we could walk in and say, hey, Matt, bring a lunch bowl next week. We want to feed the church lunch um, after the service. And he brings up his lunch bowl and turn around and say, all right, we got lots of lunch for you guys. I mean, multiply, feed the whole church. Pretty awesome, right? Um, or on a more serious note, how awesome would it be if we could raise people from the dead? Um, we could just say, you know what? Get up, walk. You're healed. We spend, I mean, there's so much pain and suffering in this world. As a, as a connect group who has to gather around a, a hurting brother or sister and just cry with them, how awesome would it be able to say, I don't, I don't want to deal with this pain. You're, you're healed. <laughs> like, how awesome would that be? Here's something that, just an interesting opinion or thought that I've got. Um, this is purely an opinion. It is not, this is the Bible over here. This is Joey's standing over here um, because it is not stated in Scripture. But I have this thought that the disciples did never ask Jesus how to perform those miracles. They, they didn't ask him how he turned all that, that food um, those fish and loaves into so many. He didn't ask him how to turn that water into wine. <laughs> um, it would have been a really cool party trick to, for us to have written out for us in the Bible. Um, but, but he didn't ask, ask him that. You know what they did ask him, though? They asked him how to pray. And he, sh and he told them how to pray. So my opinion is, they knew that Jesus' power came because of his relationship with God. I think his disciples knew how often he was with the Father. They knew how often 
He was talking with God. He was interacting with God. And they knew that's where his prayer came from. That's where his power comes from. So for us today, I believe there's power in prayer. Again, that's one of those statements that's just thrown around kind of often in the church world. There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. But listen, there's power in prayer. And it's modeled for us in the man of Jesus Christ. His relationship with God was faithful. His relationship with God was so close and tight. And I believe because of that, he had power. He was connected to the Father. So if we want to walk in spiritual power, we must first have a right relationship with God. Have a right perspective of who God is, what he's done for us. Get our relationship right with him. And there's no tool more powerful for that than prayer and talking with God. So why is it that when I asked that question earlier of how many of y'all would like to improve your prayer life, why is it that every one of us raise our hands? Like, why is, why is prayer such a hard thing for us to, to improve when all of us want to? So glad you asked. I've got an answer for it. Um, I believe prayer is spiritual warfare. I really, truly do. I believe that prayer is how we go to battle spiritually. Some of you, again, uh, I think have probably been desensitized because of our culture to the reality of spiritual warfare. Um, and so I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to show you some scripture um, because I believe it is real. I believe it exists. I believe that there are spiritual forces around us fighting battles that we can't see. Um, but I believe it's happening, and, and even though our culture may um, tell us that, that it's not and it's, it's w too weird uh, to believe in, um, Scripture tells us that, that it's real. And so I want to just point out a couple of passages to you, and, and really this is where this idea of this message started for me. Um, God kind of gave me a revelation of prayer being how I fight battles in my life and, and that if if I'm questioning why pray um, this is this is the answer that God gave me um, and I couldn't get to this point without first talking about our relationship with God um, because that's where I believe prayer starts and good relationship with him starts um, but man we got to hear this point this is how we fight our battles okay so Daniel chapter 10 is the first passage about spiritual warfare that I want to share with you guys. And man, this is crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, if you've got any background in church, you probably know about who Daniel is. But um, he was a guy who was thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because he prayed, right? He liked to pray. Um, he was a man who was faithful with his praying, even when... The, the king said, you can't pray to your God, you got to pray to me. Um, 
Daniel continued to pray to God. And so this is just a really interesting passage I came across this week. It's at the end of the book of Daniel, and it tells us about a vision that he had. An angel comes to him and says this. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. That's his relationship that he had with God. One of humility. He humbled himself before God. Your words were heard. Daniel prayed a lot. Your words were heard. He prayed for this specifically. And I have come in response to them. That's a big deal. This angel came to Daniel in response to his words. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. That's a, that's a demonic spiritual force. But a lot of commentaries talk about this. Prince of the Persian ki kingdom. And they're in a battle for 21 days. Okay? Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Another one of the higher-up angels came and, um, and conquered. <laughs> this is just, just one little instance of spiritual warfare in Scripture. Um, some of you might say, okay, this is, this is Old Testament stuff. Um, it's, uh, let's bring it a little bit more relevant. So we're going to go to New Testament, um, back to Paul. In Ephesians chapter 6, again, some of you with a uh, church background may have heard Paul talk about the spiritual armor of God. Um, this is something that we talk about at Warrior Week, the, the camp that um, I direct with, with Phil. We get to talk to, to boys for a week about what it looks like to be a warrior for, for God. And, and, and one of our themes uh, for, for one year is... is talking about putting on the spiritual armor of God. And so one thing I realized, though, reading through this was that I think we neglect the end of this passage. We read all about the armor and, and what, what exactly we need to put on, and we neglect what Paul says after the armor. So let's read this real quick. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's our enemy, guys. Spiritual enemy. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. No truth. It holds everything in around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. Have that righteousness that guards your heart, right? And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace so that you can go and you can share the gospel. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan's going to throw things at us. But if we have our faith right there in front of us, we can block those things. Take the helmet of salvation. Guard your mind. You've got to know your salvation. You're saved in Christ Jesus. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the only offensive weapon mentioned here, the Word of God. 
to fight your enemies. And here again, this is, this is where I'm going with this. This is the part that I want y'all to hear. We usually stop there with the armor, but look what he goes on to say. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so, I that, may, so, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So here's the deal. We, we've, I think we're guilty so often of suiting up, getting ready for battle. Let's get ready. And then we stand on the sidelines and watch. We stand there. We don't actually go into battle. I think we have rooms full of Christians all over the world, especially in the United States of America, comfortable Christians who don't go into battle for themselves or for their brothers and sisters in Christ. Can you imagine, uh, let's put it in modern day perspective, uh, a football player getting up every single morning. He goes and he puts on his pads, puts on his jersey, puts on his helmet, then he goes out to the, to the practice field. He stands there, coach is like, you gonna get in there and practice with us today, man? Ah, I'm good, I'm good. Rather not today. All right, next day, he gets up, gets, gets out there, all fully dressed, geared up. You gonna, you gonna practice with us today, man? I'm not really that good at football, so uh, I'd rather not practice. <laughs> not that good at it. Next day, get suited up, get, get your helmet on, so you're protected. Get out there. You gonna, you gonna practice today? Uh, kind of busy. I don't, don't really have time. Um, how ridiculous does that sound, right? And yet, look at our prayer life. Are we too busy to get in the battlefield? Do we not think we're good enough at praying? Do we have too much noise in our life distracting us? I think that God shapes us in the quiet, y'all. I think that sometimes we need to put ourselves in, in a place where we can talk to God. Um, and I think that the enemy knows what pulls us away from wanting to pray is the noise that is all around us in life. The busyness, the craziness, but also technology. Our, our phones that are great devices. I, I, oh, I love technology. <laughs> um, if you don't know that, I'm sorry. Uh, but <laughs> we love technology. It, it, we've got some great tools in our hands all the time. But the devil loves those tools. The devil loves my phone, and he knows that that is a way to pull my mind away from God. Do you all realize that our, 
identity, our, our likes, our dislikes, our conversations that we're having in our house are sold to companies around the world so that they can notify us on our phones <laughs> and they can pull us away. Um, y'all realize that there's spiritual warfare happening right, right inside your phones. We have to be able to pull away from the noise. We have to know what's around us. We have to know how to go into the battlefield. We have to be willing to not only suit up, but go to battle. For the struggles, the temptations, the things that are going on in our own heart, also for our brothers and sisters around us. Imagine if we were a church that took that seriously. Imagine if we were a church that that took our prayer lives seriously, that knew that going to prayer is our form of battle, that going to prayer is so much more than, than just asking for some desires. Going to prayer is how we face our enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Verse 12. Ephesians 6.12, our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is a spiritual force. There's sometimes when I wish he was flesh and blood. <laughs> I'd get a group of buddies and surround him and pound him down. Um, but he's not, and so we can't fight him that way. How do we fight him? Through prayer. Imagine if we were a church that gathered together like that to pray. That, that spent intentional time starting our days in prayer. That's how God wants us to be. That's how Jesus modeled for us a life of prayer. So here's what I'm going to encourage you guys with today. Um, I want to encourage you to pray what you got. Simply pray what you got. Whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, pray what you got. The Lord delights in you praying what is on your mind. And he's not concerned about the eloquence of your words. He doesn't care. He just wants to talk with you. He wants that interaction. And he wants you to go to battle. So pray what you got. Listen, our boys still have some words that they stumble over. Um, they're at that age where... Um, it's, it's still real cute and, and funny. Uh, one of our favorite meals is biscotti, and we love it. And, <laughs> I mean, don't think for a second that I'm going to lean down and correct him and say, listen, it's spaghetti. <laughs> We're not eating biscotti. It's spaghetti. That's <laughs> just not how it works. If you go out with us uh, to eat Tex-Mex, we order tortillas. <laughs> Every time, it's tortillas. And... It's just the way it is, but God's the same way with us. He doesn't care if, if we're not getting our, our thous and our hasts and <laughs> what, what if, we, if we don't have um, perfect language in our prayers to speak to him. He wants what's on your heart. He wants what's on your mind. He wants to talk with you. So I'd encourage you this week to pray what you got. If your prayer... This week is, is simply, God, 
I don't know what to say. <laughs> this is awkward, but I want to talk to you. I want to kind of have a relationship with you. If that's your prayer, awesome. That's what God wants. That's, that's taking a step onto the battlefield. It's taking a step forward. There's a guy that I started reading about this week. His name is Brother Lawrence. He was a monk who lived in the 1600s. He didn't have enough education to be considered a priest, and so they gave him these, uh, these jobs in the monastery that were just washing dishes and, and landscaping, stuff like that. But people were drawn to this guy because of how he experienced the presence of God. He writes some really, really cool stuff, and he's, this is his quote. He said, we ought to act with God in the greatest simplicity, speaking to him frankly and plainly and imploring his assistance in our affairs just as they happen. Speak frankly with him. Speak plainly with him. That's how we read about them doing it in the Bible. I promise you guys, if... If we had somebody come into one of our connect groups and start praying like, like David prayed, we'd probably get scared. <laughs> there are saints all over the Bible who just speak their mind to God. Why don't we do that? Just talk with him. Pray what you got. So this week, I want to encourage you to pray. I want to encourage you to, I'll, I'll give, you, give you something specific. Three different times this week, I want you to be intentional about praying with God. Ideally, in the morning, start your day with it. Three different, three different mornings this week. Spend some time, shut off the noise. Get somewhere, ideally the same place every time. Get somewhere where you can shut off the noise and spend time praying with God. Talk with Him. Build your relationship with him, and then go to battle with him. I uh, I don't actually think I handed him out, but I made up some. I'll, we'll put somebody at the door on the way out. I made up some some pages for you guys because Jesus actually told us how to pray, right? Matthew six, he uh, he gave us. That's that's it. Chance is the man. He's got it for me. Somebody will be at the door on your way out, and y'all can have these. If you want to, you can. <laughs> He was about to make it rain. Um, if you want to uh, just write on these pages, it kind of just lays out the Lord's Prayer for you um, and tells you how Jesus taught us to pray. You can just look at it if you want to as you pray, and, and it'll give you a, a place to start. Um, just a good, good place to start for our prayers. But guys, let's be a church that prays. Let's be a church of action. Uh, let's be a a church that fights against laziness. Let's be a church that, that fights for relationship with God, fights for our brothers and sisters, fights against the enemy. We do that through prayer. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. All right. I got to close this sermon by praying, guys. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for you. You're good. God, we're thankful for Christ's love that compels us. God, we pray that that you remind us of what you've done for us, that you remind us that you're a God of redemption, 
the old is gone and the new has come. We've been crucified with Christ. God, thank you for that. God, I pray that you help us to be ambassadors for Christ. That you help us to represent you in a way that others look at, at us and, and see you in us. God, I pray this week that our prayer life would be propelled. God, that we would be motivated that we wouldn't listen to the lies of the enemy, that we can do this life without you. God, that we wouldn't let the enemy distract us from what we really want, which is relationship and power through you. God, we want more of you in our lives. So that's, that's what we ask for. Help us to make that happen. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.